Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep, a podcast that used to be about books. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording today from North Koreatown, Los Angeles. Um, before I bring in the rest of the panel today, I just want to send a quick shout out, a thank you to Hannah from Cleveland for moving over to the new Patreon system. Uh, been a meat buddy since last summer, and you guys may remember, wrote us a great email early in quarantine. Uh, and so I just wanted to say thank you, Hannah, for moving over. And if you guys want to join Hannah and help keep us limping down the tracks, you can go to metreon.com and support and support us. And I appreciate everybody who supports our show. Let me introduce you to the panel today. It's a very good one. Uh, first up, he's in Southeast Portland. He's mis- he's at Anthony Lopez Part Two on Twitter. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Hey everyone, um, do me a favor. Go get a good, good lungful of fresh air if you can. <laughs> if you're because I've I've forgotten what it tastes like, <laughs> and I'm so envious. Oh man, I, it would be so- that was like a, a lot of, during this movie. Whenever they were just like driving with the top down. Oh, oh that sounds fun. Look yeah. at all that air happening. Uh, yeah. even, even when they were going under a crop duster, I was like, that's probably better still than what yeah. we're doing on the West Coast. I miss I miss fresh air. Um, it yeah. was good. It's been a week. I've, uh, <laughs> you thought you were going to have to evacuate. Yes, I got very close. The evacuation notice, uh, like the line got to about a quarter mile from my house. Wow. My mom had to evacuate her house and went away for a week. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. You know? you, what do you get like a, a 20- emergency on your phone? Are they that accurate? Or are you just, were you just watching the website or something? Wait, what was that? How did they tell you that you're going to evacuate? Do you get a call? Well, they, no, they, so they update uh, a website that kind of shows a map with where you, uh, the sort of evacuation lines, and they have like one, two, and level one, two, and three severities in terms of like Jesus. one, you need to like, so preparing, two, you need to be ready to go at a moment's notice, and three, you need to evacuate immediately. Um, but yeah, so they. Uh, so you were have, just clicking refresh for like several days in a row. Yes, and God, when you I mean, get everything to, is so bad, but that sounds so oh, well, that's so when, tense. When you get to number three, um, the um, uh, the fire department starts going door to, door to door. Yeah, and they will knock on every door and tell you you have to leave right now. So, so did you not, did you have a go bag? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, I have been someone who's, you know, been prepared, sort of like constantly prepared of the world ending for a while now. So like a bug out bag is something I've <laughs> certainly kind of had prepared. But also it is the type of thing that we were like, uh, you know, we started to get some things ready. And then we had like we were starting to sort of pre-pack things that we wouldn't want to lose in a fire to just throw them in the car in case we had to go. Oh, um, but thankfully, uh, I mean, who knows? It could still get way worse, but things have calmed down a little here. The air is still basically unbreathable yeah. and incredibly hazardous outside. Uh, my wife keeps reminding me that being outside for like over 20 minutes right now is the equivalent of smoking 27 cigarettes at once. Uh, but not in, the, in like a good way. Not in a good way. No, no. 
<laughs> what the good way? Not, what is well, the good know, way of that? You like those old vaudeville acts that would smoke yeah, a mouthful right? of cigarettes? Do you know? No, I'm not going to be out there looking 27 times like a cool dude uh, that a normal cigarette gives me. Dude, well, I mean, it saves you so much money on, on cigarettes if you could just go outside, do 27 at a time, feel well, real yeah. chill, come back I, in. Wait, I am so confused. So you're saying like if I saw somebody popping in and out smoking 27 cigarettes in a row that I'd be like, that's a cool dude. No, I, I would think no, no, at a time. Guy, 27 at a time, Hunter. Yeah. Oh, in 20, the mouth at once. Yeah, like one of those old, you know, people you would see. Oh, like, like a Looney Tune thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, now I get it. Yeah, no, it is cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, 2020. The hits just keep on coming. I cannot no wait uh, for what else this year has in store for us. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you were okay. I am. I was just while you're talking about that, trying to think of what I would put in my bug out ba- bag that is worth saving. What 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 in here do I care about? And it is a short list, and that makes me mm-hmm. sad. Also, like I would really want a charger for my phone, and then after that, the list gets kind of weak. It's like I mean, a lot of we could take or leave most of this. Yeah. Um, we have me... a lot of uh, handcrafted items that we've gotten from friends and family, and like Heather knits. Very nice blankets. And oh man, which like is that. like the so most have, flammable, yeah, memorable so have, thing. We have a lot of stuff that, like, a lot of work and love, and a lot of like sort of things that um, you know, mean a lot to us. Uh, that are, I, like, I guess one that's of a kind. Bad. That is right. the type of stuff we wouldn't want to lose. Let know? me bring in everybody else. So, uh, also joining us as always, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd uh, from the woods of Arkansas. It's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Yeah. Hey, what up? I feel like if in my bug out bag would. Right now, I'm building a computer, but I haven't actually started, so I just have all these PC parts mm. right in my in my room, and I feel like uh-huh. my bug out bag, like really, if <laughs> I was being honest, like my graphics card, I just start gathering sticks. that stuff and be like, I haven't even finished this yet. I'm not gonna let this go, you know. I just bought these yeah. parts. Yeah, I, I mean, mean when was, shit yeah, really like, hits the fan, you can start plugging it in and mining bitcoins. Yeah, and, you I'll, know? Have, <laughs> I'll have something to do after yeah. my house is burned down. You yeah, know? I mean, you know, in in the shelter, you can be sitting there playing cyberpunk. You know, yeah. letting people know what's up. I, I think that's a. I mean, like those are small and expensive, which is a good thing to grab. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, uh, I mean, some of it's pretty heavy, but. But yeah, yeah, you're doing like a whole water cooled IBM. Oh, yeah, no, it's a fish tank. It's a fish tank computer. And and I've even bought some fish to go in there. There's a fish tank lamp in this movie. All right. Let's let me also bring in our very special guest today at Irene Two on Twitter and Instagram with an underscore in between Irene underscore two, a fellow underscore aficionado, which I appreciate Um, currently in uh, in the valley in Los Angeles. Please welcome Irene Two. Hey, um, I'm not an aficionado of the underscore. Someone just stole my handle. That's me too. Oh. That's what happens. Uh, but do you have a, what, what, what would you, I assume you're looking around your apartment right now. What would you be in your bug out bag? Oh, I tuned out for this entire conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you guys okay, started perfect. talking about bug out bags and I was like, I'm such a hoarder that I wouldn't even be able to like fathom. You just die. You'd just be like, uh, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very ill prepared. If you're like, you have to leave now. I will, I don't think I would f- be able to find my passport. <laughs> Fortunately, you'd be like in a. You'd probably be living in a tent in a school playground or something, so you wouldn't need. You wouldn't be doing a lot of international travel right away. No, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be able to gather anything quickly. 
Right. Well, fortunately, one of the things about Los Angeles is that in order to be in a high fire danger, you have to have a house. And in order to have a house here, you have to have a billion dollars. <laughs> so we are in no danger of that kind of fire. That is really nice to know. Well, it's like even here, you know, I I was less concerned with like um, like the fires that are, you know, a mile out and more of just like if one of the other buildings around here caught on fire through like a you know an accident or something that is a little bit of ash or something yeah like that was more of like you know it was a lot of like these random fires popping up that's happening up here a lot that is very scary like it would really suck if just my block burned down you know um there yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about, uh, let's move out of fire. Let's move into the movie universe. Uh, before we talk about this week's topic, though, let's check in what else you've been watching recently. Um, I want to go first because I have, um, this is this is for um, for Hunter, mostly. Oh, yes. Um, but this week, uh, my wife and I watched Chungking Express. <gasps> Whoa. You should have warned um, me. <laughs> I... <laughs> Well, I was so I wrote down I was like, you know, because you got letterbox, you got your things there. So I wrote down your four favorite movies uh-huh. and I am going to try to watch all of the ones I haven't seen yet. Um, and this was the first one because it's your top favorite movie of all time. Right. Oh, wow. so, what, what did you think? Did you? If you didn't like it, I'm just going to leave. If I hadn't liked it, I would not have mentioned it. Um, <laughs> I would have kept that to myself. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do. Pref- it's like it's a it's an interesting movie because it's two complete stories. And yeah. I like one of them more than the other. I think the second one, right? The you second, like the second one's one incredible, and yeah. the first one is like got is like I felt a little unsatisfied with, but the so it's these it's two stories that both kind of they're both in Hong Kong and they both kind of orbit around this one, um, what I assume is terrible snack bar. It, the food can't possibly be good, but it's all it's just <laughs> these two people who frequent the same snack bar, um, and it's weird because we watched the other movie of his and all the food looked amazing. This guy mm-hmm. made Hong Kong food seem shitty. He's like, we got hot dogs, we got chef salad, we got pizza. Well, yeah, this we is supposed to be like Euros. street food, you know? It's just yeah. kind of like whatever you get. Food, this, you know? Alex, this is why you're the definitive film critic of our time. Just that <laughs> the stuff you notice about well, a movie. And I really, do. <laughs> you really <laughs> zone in on like what's yeah. important about One it. Of the well, things no, like a lot of people to... focus on like the clear stuff. Alex is like, where are them weeds I can get lost in? You know? <laughs> yeah, where, yeah. Whatever yeah. Things what does what do. the food photography look like, you know? <sighs> It was he kept he he said try the pizza it's also good and there's no way that you make good euros and good pizza and good hot dogs in Hong Kong I just it's too many oh, it's just well now not getting, happening Alex why can't the people in Hong Kong make good food no, huh? I, okay, what, are you, it, what are you saying about well, the... but, no let's be reasonable have you been to a place like that where they yes. just list out three random food items we that have, have three no correlate yeah. Yeah, and that it's ne- it's never good. That never works. The, like it, in, if it's two if it's two kinds of food and you put it in the same taco, that might work. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you can't do I there was a there's I think the worst restaurant I ever ate at was in Seattle and it was a Mexican Italian place and so it was just like um oh this is like nachos but pasta sauce. Right. It was the worst. It was unbelievable. Spaghetti bad. tacos. It was, it was spaghetti like, with salsa on it. I mean, it was so Spaghetti awful. tacos is great because you raise the tacos to your mouth and then the <laughs> spaghetti just falls out everywhere. That sounds really good. Anyway, I really, really enjoyed that second one. I It went places I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. The My favorite thing in the world, I don't want, because if you haven't watched this movie, I don't want to 
give too much of it away, but at, there's I just want to besides the food thing, the thing I want to highlight is there's a person who is like getting into someone else's apartment and doing little tweaks, making little changes to mm-hmm. see if that person notices. And one of the things she does is adds fish to his fish tank. <laughs> like each time she visits, she adds another goldfish, and that is my favorite of all the pranks because if you're like this blanket is used to be a different color that would be super weird but if you're just like didn't i have five fish and not six there's just no way my brain could process additional fish without fish like born as an adult just uh, yeah like because a fish didn't get there anyway it didn't walk through the door (laughs) it's so good anyway i was super delighted by that so um anthony can you do me a favor since i'm doing this project um if you were to make a an online movie critic profile what would your top four be uh can i, I think like about that, that get back to you yeah for sure yeah. for sure i, um, I and, don't know off the top of my head i yeah okay cool yeah think about that because i it, it it feels like a good opportunity to, to get to know y'all a little better well, i mean you I gotta you know it. knock off the classics you know boondog saints uh <laughs> No. Uh, well, you love the prequels, so you gotta. Well, we gotta yeah, go got the, the prequels. Well, that's really one epic movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he made his own cut where he just. It's a pretty simple cut. He just threw all three of the movies in the timeline and then exported it. Yeah, as I was. One. I was like, no, Topher <laughs> Grace. That's the Anthony me, cut. Yeah, I said, Topher Grace, fuck you. Let me show you how to fix the prequels. He kept the credits too. He could have cut yeah. the credits. Just had one no, credit. No, just, you like, gotta knowing. sit the whole damn credits. No. <laughs> Anthony, well, what else I, did you watch this week besides um, you going back through your favorite prequels? Going back to my favorite prequels, obviously. Uh, I've been trying to think of... I should have thought of this beforehand. Uh, but a few things I've watched. I'll give two quick shout-outs. Um, one, I've been watching The Vow, which is a HBO documentary about Nexium and Keith Venere and that oh. old crazy cult. Um and uh-huh. I, it's a documentary. It's a real look inside. Yes, and it oh, is. Okay. It's pretty fascinating because it's not just like a retroactive. It is um, a lot of the people who were in the cult uh, and were big parts of the responsibility of the downfall of it uh, were filmmakers and creatives. So they documented basically their entire process of leaving and exposing uh... the cult. So it's. It's kind of like a Citizen Zero, that documentary, if you've ever seen it, where it's really like things are being filmed in real time in terms of like when these things are actually happening. Uh, but Interesting. I, am, I am, you know, someone who loves sort of uh, these sort of weird stories on the Internet and I actively seek them out. So I've known a lot about Keith Raniere and the Nexium story, but my wife didn't. Uh, yeah. So it's fun to kind of oh, watch. This is like a sex uh, cult, and they get a little tattoo on their hip. No, not not a tattoo. They branded. The it was women. a brand. Oh, that's yes. what it was. They used they oh, used yeah. the cauterizing pen to brand Alice Mack and Keith Venero Keith Venere's initials made into the symbol on all these women for this sex cult. Wait, um, it's a pen? It's not a one time. No, it's no, like it's a, a it's a co- it's a cauterizing pen is what they used. Oh my uh, god. So you have to actually draw the symbol. It's pretty intense. Yeah, the whole story is really intense. Um, and it is the funniest thing about watching this documentary for how kind of harrowing and uh, intense the story is, is that because, you know, the backstory of Nexium is that, you know, it's this creative uh, sort of like self-help 
Scientology meets multi-level marketing kind of scam cult thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in uh, watching this with my wife. Uh, how, just it's very funny for her and myself to kind of talk about how how many almost cults we have certainly been in uh, by just. <laughs> By just being, and not in like a like a vindict, not like people actively trying to throw cults, but just through like being involved in comedy and a lot of these sort of small. Yeah, I did clicks. improv for years, yeah, so I know. Improv is exactly runs the exact same way as most cults throw down. Uh, so it has been very funny to kind of that, and it's a great, it's really fascinating story. If you don't know anything about uh, Keith Raniere, he's one of like the worst monsters living today. And I'm really glad he is, uh, you got arrested and all this. This is super interesting, but also the same name as a Rachel McAdams rom-com. And I, it just feels like you could come up with a a new name. Like, don't you Google it before you name your new documentary? Well, the vow is a specific thing. It's a, it's a reference to the cult. It is. Well, sure. But you could call it the cauterizing pen. That's also a reference to the movie. Like, just don't you Google it first and see like, Oh, somebody already came up with the vow as the name. of I don't, I don't think, uh, Rachel McAdams, the vow has a lot of cultural, uh, cachet that they have to worry about. (laughs) They have Google cachet. When I Google the vow, I get pictures of Rachel McAdams and I picture her getting a little sex tattoo on her. And it's weird. I really keep your weird fetish shit out of my segment, (laughs) please. I'm trying to talk here. And then the other quick thing I'm going to reference real fast. I haven't watched too much of it, but I just thought it was uh, appropriate because we're talking about a Ridley Scott movie today is I watched the first episode of Raised by Wolves, which is Ridley Scott's new um, sci-fi show on HBO Max as well. And it is, I went in knowing nothing about it. And it is so much weirder and more interesting. I don't think I really like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it, this type of recommendation. Isn't that so interesting? I'm yeah, way more like, likely to watch something if someone says, yes. like, oh, I don't know. I think it's, like, but, not good. But, yeah, but, well, I can't, I, but I'm fascinated. But the production value and, like, what the premise was. I had not even seen a trailer. I knew it dealt with, like, you know, Ridley Scott's really into, um, you know, like, artificial intelligence and replicants and androids and they you know and yeah he's really into like these themes especially the last few years and i think i thought he really kind of fucked them up with like the prometheus and the alien covenant when he was trying to really dig into those and just did not do a really great job of it and this is definitely more of a deep dive and it's so much weirder like i Went in, you know, you see posters for a show, I said, haven't seen a trailer, but you went in kind of thinking, okay, I got a rough idea of what this is going to be. And within the first five minutes, I was like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm watching or where this is going. <laughs> and it's so, uh, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show before, but I love big swings. I'd rather have like, yeah, yeah, yeah. an interesting failure than something that's good and sort of safe. And this is... Again, I've only seen the first episode, uh, but it is a huge swing. Uh, and I'm very uh, impressed by just sort of the weirdness and how audacious it is. Well, uh, so I, I just want to sounds super interesting. The images of this look really fascinating, and it does seem like he likes uh, moms with short hair. That's definitely a thing that he's into. But also, I will point out that Raised by Wolves was a 2013 British comedy about people from Wolverhampton. And I just. Oh, just God. Google it before you make a movie. It's like, uh, there should only be one movie with any name. That's all I, anyway. Um, 
Uh, Irene, what else have you been watching recently? Um, I'm still finishing Glee. Oh, uh, is this your first time through Glee? No, I watched it when I was in high school, but I think I only watched the first two seasons, and now apparently I'm going to watch all six for <laughs> I don't know what reason. <laughs> yeah, what was the impetus? What What was the thing right before maybe, you started it again? Maybe if you finish it, you'll lift the Glee curse that keeps striking all the cast members. That's why Glee. I started. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a ritual, you know? Huh. Well, because Naya Rivera died, and then I was really sad about it, and I was like, I'm going to rewatch Glee, and now I have to finish it. Um. Wow. I the idea that you are somehow responsible for that seems maybe a little too much to put on yourself. <laughs> well, it's anyone can you know <laughs> lift the curse. It's just no oh, one's just, actually done it. Oh, yet. Okay. No <laughs> one's actually watched all six seasons. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like King Arthur to... or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. King Arthur just had to finish <laughs> watching that movie series. Yeah. Um. Are you enjoying? Where are you now then? How far are you into the curse? Um, how far am I? I'm on season four. Oh, okay. Give me um, like a, what were the big covers that they're doing? Like, where were we at as a culture in season four? <laughs> um, well, I just started season four. They just did like a whole Britney episode. So it was a lot of Britney Spears songs. Fun. Okay. Uh, but I think they like did whatever songs were very popular at the moment. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. I okay, so I have a. This is a. Um, uh, this is a terrible tangent, but I can't stop myself, so I'll try to bring it back really fast. But they, I believe, somewhere around there in the series was when they did the Rebecca Black Friday cover, and I oh, know that like once every like every six months or so, usually on a Friday, I'm like, I wonder to myself, what's Rebecca Black up to, and like I feel bad for how mean we were to this child like 15 years ago for no reason. And so I go and look up what she's up to. And she's a vlogger. She's a YouTuber. She's doing okay. She seems fine. But like, she was, isn't she doing awesome? Like, yeah, she seems like she's doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, um, she, her dad paid for her to become a pop star. Like, they, yeah, she, she has 1.1 okay million followers on, she, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she is very famous, but like when you get famous negatively and then like to have and also just like imagine the emotional journey that this like, what was she like 15? Um, this yeah, but 12 year old, whatever, like became the most ridiculed right, person right. in the history yeah, of the yeah, internet. Yeah. Like, ev- like everyone mocking cool. it. But the, the thing time. is, but, I would but, say but if you could choose, let's say you could pick how you become famous, uh-huh. that I would number one pick some sort of route like that like let's say i get hecka famous because there's like a video of me but i actually get to be famous not like not like somebody that becomes a meme like i want to get something out of it like it's like let's say there's like a like a photo of me somewhere and like my butt is hanging out of my pants in like a really unattractive way but then i turn that into like an influencer thing Mm -hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I become like a pants model in like a cheeky way. Like I show off different pants because I'm the butt crack guy. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And the fact that I could translate that, what starts as like an embarrassing, like internet make fun of thing into like a career. I think that would be the coolest way to do it. Yeah. And I think like, why is that cooler than getting famous for doing something right? Because because you win. You, you're like, you're like looking at your haters and being like, you, you guys suck. I like got... I like one off the hate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like Rebecca Black did okay. Like 
You know who I feel bad for? I'm trying to think of it. I was like, Star Wars kid. Dude, I knew you were going to say Star Wars kid. (laughs) That is a guy whose entire life got destroyed before it even started. And he's he's not vlogging anywhere. Here, I'm going to try and find him. Where's he at? Where's the Star Wars guy? I don't know who Star Wars guy is. He 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 was doing lightsaber moves in his garage. No, it was in a classroom. He had. Oh, it was in a classroom. It oh, was. He left. Um, he filmed himself in a classroom swinging the stick around, and he left the memory code in the camera. And some bullies found it and rotoscoped lightsabers onto it and posted it online. And he became early viral famous, but for and, the wrong reason. Yeah, yeah and had bad. his life essentially ruined. Uh, um, it seems like he might be. Uh. He got a law degree. He was the president of a nonprofit dedicated to preserving Canadian heritage, um, French Canadian town. Ta- he seems like he might be okay, but he's anyway. not an influencer. I'll tell you that much. Well, no, but yeah. did he, maybe he didn't want to be an influencer. Like he was, he got he oh, got sure bullied. He, everybody was. Rebecca was like guys, paid four thousand okay. dollars to become famous. Hey, Irene. I really need you to go finish Glee because I feel like we have now been Glee cursed in this conversation. <laughs> we are now. This is what's going to happen if you don't finish it before the end of the podcast. I'm we'll trying, talk- okay, but every episode seems like it's two hours long. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a great sign if it feels that way. <laughs> yeah, I um, I mean, the one thing that I also learned when I was re- was looking back into this was like because I feel like. I mean, you pay $4,000 for, like, a guy to mall to make you a music video. It's going to be kind of crappy, and that's not your fault. But, like, the guys who actually, like, made this video were the guys who, like, didn't put that much effort into writing a song, which is kind yeah. of interesting. And like, They're the bad guys. They're exploiting wealthy parents. And, like, again, this wealthy no, parents are fine. exploited. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems fine to you. Um, but, like, yeah. Also, like, if, if I got that job was, like, write a five-minute comedy routine for my 12-year-old, I wouldn't try that hard, and I would take four grand for it. So, like... I feel like everyone's fine in this story, except that what's funny is that the producer's website is just like all about how many Grammy awards have been given to people who covered a song of his, which is like Glee's cover of uh, uh, Friday got like an Emmy. And so like so-and-so famous person covered the song and got this award. And so his whole website is just like the award-winning producer or the the producer of the song that was covered in an award-winning way like he's just like two degrees from awards over and over again and so proud of himself for it so he might kind of a little bit be annoying but i'm glad rebecca's doing fine because we were like real shitty to her and i don't think she deserved it and i feel guilt about it um hunter what are you watching so i watched uh there are a couple things i watched i'll just kind of go through them really fast Uh, i watched this movie i don't know if you've heard of it this movie I don't know, man. This movie was I was watching. I'm like, this is this movie's kind of weird, but uh, it was uh-huh. called 2001: uh, <laughs> a Space uh, Odyssey. Oh, okay, and uh, yeah, I'm yeah. like watching this movie. I'm like, okay, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. Anyways, Twelve Monkeys. I'm wondering if watched. we were going to have to watch that for this movie for the oh, show. Oh yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. That movie. I mean, it's kind of just like it's just like watching a guy play with spaceships. You know what I mean? It's about as interesting as that. You know, it's like a little kid, you know, with the spaceship going like pew pew. That's mean, pretty much it. It fucking. What rules, did you think? What did you think of Twelve Monkeys? Twelve Monkeys, not enough monkeys. I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> I thought there were going to be more more monkeys in it. Um, I actually didn't. I actually thought I was going to like that movie a lot because uh, I really like Brazil, which we have mm. talked about on the show. Yeah. And when it opens, there's a lot of like kind of Brazil like 
technology. It looks all kind of goofy and like a little like steampunk, but in a dumb way. Um, And then the movie kind of gets started and it it doesn't really have a whole lot of that. Uh, And it's not it's not like a it wasn't a bad movie to me, but I think my um, there's also a little bit too you know, anytime someone uses like kind of mental illness as a plot device, it -hmm. just kind of kind of irks me um and is and this is like a mental mental illness as plot device plus time travel which is just kind of another layer of wackiness that just kind of makes all the 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 real world disconnected bullshit of it just seem just hit wrong and also terry gilliam i don't know i can kind of take him or leave him at times yeah fun That's uh, fun ending though yeah the ending the ending is pretty cool um I, Turns yeah. out one of the monkeys is pregnant. Yeah, one of the monkeys is pregnant, and then it's a fun little monkey. monkey. The next movie is going to be 13 monkeys, and they're all like 12 ever, monkeys trying to raise one monkey kid. Have you ever watched the original 12 monkeys? La, La Jete? Yeah, the French what? short. It's a 12 monkeys is based off this experimental French short film that is just still images uh, with dialogue over it. Um, and it's You like, mean a PowerPoint? Well, it's it's, it's a PowerPoint. Exper- yeah, it's an experimental short film and a very experimental PowerPoint. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting. And if you uh, if you just, it's just like you know, I I really enjoy the sort of the adaptation process and stuff like that. And it's it's a cool little short film. It's like half an hour long. You can find it on YouTube. But if you like Twelve Monkeys at all, I would definitely suggest checking it out because it's. It's pretty wild how you go from that to like a Bruce Willis, another very young Brad Pitt. Yeah, movie. Um, yeah. but it's neat. Yeah. Um, the baby Brad is a good connection to tie in. Do you have one more? Or are you gonna? Oh yeah, it is a is a baby. Yeah, it, basically a week of baby Brad. Oh, and I just wanted to say that I watched that new Charlie Kaufman movie. Um, uh, I'm thinking of ending things, and uh, it fucks, and you should watch it. Uh, and that's all I have to say about it. It, it fucking rules. Interesting. Okay, cool. Charlie, Charlie Kaufman makes good stuff. He does. He does. All right. So um, actually, speaking of good things, this is uh, where I want to start with this, which is we're going to talk about uh, this week's topic. And, um, and uh, you guys have had the week off, Anthony and Hunter. You had the last mm-hmm. week off oh, because yeah. we were um, reading a twen- listening to a 26-hour audiobook uh, about vampires. This is the worst thing. It's the worst thing ever. And it was so sad. And it ruined my birthday. And... Um, <laughs> Well, I forgot that it was due the next day, and so I was like six hours short, and so I had spent like five out and a half hours of my birthday listening to this audiobook, and it was oh, very God. sad. Oh, God. It really did ruin um, your birthday. It fucked it up. I mean, it was, no, it's still great. My birthday was good enough that it didn't actually ruin it, but it was still, it like cut out a big portion of it and made it bad. Um, but the, uh, uh, but, but before that, we watched Super Troopers, which was fine. Um, not great. Um, but like, I w- my wife said when I was uh, getting ready to watch this week's movie, she was like, I missed when we were watching good movies because I've been like brought her into this crappier movie segment now. And I was thinking back on like earlier in this year and how many good things and what an interesting like film year I had. And then what a dump it took at the end just there. And so I am stoked to be talking about something interesting and fun again and not uh, something that just takes a big giant dump on my evening. And so with that, let's talk about this week's topic, which is the 1991 film Thelma and Louise, uh, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon, Shooter McGavin, and a tiny baby Brad Pitt. Little baby Brad Pitt. Little baby Brad. uh, Maybe the only time in the history of cinema 
that Stephen Tobolowski will be credited before Brad Pitt. Uh, <laughs> That's such a good point. Usually the I laughed at that so hard the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen well, also- Tobolowski. Hilariously, Stephen Tobolowski is so much younger in this movie, and he still looks old. Like yeah. he has looked old since he was a child. Yeah, he was born old. Yeah. yeah, he was he was born a character actor in a movie. You know, it's so it's so wonderful. I like him so much. Also got Harvey Keitel, and it was uh, written by Callie Curry, who I want to uh-huh. uh, credit as well. Um, who wrote uh, um, Gaia Sisterhood and so. Nashville? She's the showrunner on that. No, yeah. But yeah, yeah. interesting thing about like I was looking into her career and it's, you know, it uh, it's very sad that she wrote this movie. It's the first film. She wins the fucking Academy Award for Best Screenplay and then has trouble getting another project made for years. That's what I was thinking. That's so interesting because I clicked on her and I was like, surely this is going to show me 50 movies that I've loved that are hers. And it's a very short list of movies. What happened? Well, that's a mystery. I'm not really sure what it could be. (laughs) It's certainly the misogyny part of it and being hard to be a woman. But also there is a, a fairly long history of of first-time screenwriters, how, like, talk about how winning the Oscar for your first movie is kind of a curse. Like, it just fits such a... It gets you a lot of meetings, but it gives you such a high standard. And she had this one quote that I, I was reading from this interview with her that I think really kind of goes into uh, how fucked up and misogynistic and shitty Hollywood is, that she would kind of pitch other movies afterwards that was sort of also sort of similar to this, and studio executives would say things to her like, oh, well, there's already Thelma and Louise. So we don't need another... <laughs> that's how movies work. Movies yeah. are always like, there's only, there's like one movie, they're like, this is an original idea, and then no copies. They're just so, they have so much uh, integrity. Yeah, but it's yeah like right. This, and it's the Famously, same thing. Hollywood like, hates to see an, the same thing again. They never, talks- they're always just like, gotta keep it changing, gotta keep the yeah. art pushing yeah. forward. It's it's the same thing. It was uh, her talking about her work and like John Singh Singleton, who also you know, made Boys in the Hood when he was 24 years old. And like afterwards, people were just like, well, you know, you've already, you already made the one movie about this. So and it's not like, you know, white guys can get the same movie made over and over no and over kidding. again. But the fact that like Hollywood is like, well, we already have the one movie that was success about, you know, black urban culture or about women doing this. So we don't need another one. And man, like that kind of stuff. I laughed so when you said that because it's so so fucked up. But man, that's sad, and I hate it. And it's it, nuts. I do like. I, I will say though, one thing um, that she should have thought about is that her ending did make it hard for sequels. So <laughs> yeah, that was something she definitely painted herself into a little bit of a corner there. She couldn't do you know unless unless it was called like Thelma and Louise hey. two. We landed in the river and it was fine and we got away and no one looked for well, us ever again. Rid- like that would be fine, but to be fair, Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe also worked on a sequel to Gladiator for years, <laughs> which ends right, in a very similar way. Oh, uh, so it, he, they're not above it, right? So Irene, you picked this for us. Um, yeah. You said you've been meaning to watch it for a while. Why is that? Um, I was just looking up. Um, like good queer movies and mm-hmm. this was one of the movies that people were like this is like one of the best queer movies even though the movie's not super overtly queer I mean they kiss at the end um, yeah. but the rest yeah. of it they're like best friends 
they're yeah and and every time one of them gets involved with a man it ruins their life so there is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i i want to ask a question about that so i had never seen this had any of us ever seen this before i had never, I seen, had it, never no. seen it okay oh, so, shit. uh none of us that have seen it and this is i really enjoyed this movie and i think there's a lot to unpack but i want to kind of even before we get to the summary, I want to ask a question about like we all knew how this movie ended, right? Yes. I didn't yes. actually. Oh, I'm you did. I'm apparently. I don't yes. even know. I missed I'm it. so jealous of you because yeah. I real like about a half an hour before it was over. I was like, you know, I was trying to think if I like where could this possibly go, and then I vaguely remembered seeing some cartoon version of this ending. So somewhere in pop culture. Yeah. This had been presented to me as clearly what happens. And Wayne's I was like, oh, World, I hope that's not how it ends. Wayne's World 2 does a giant parody of this at the oh. end of that movie. I mean, it's one of the most parodied, talked about endings. And it's just like, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about show. I'm not a huge spoiler culture guy. I usually don't mind about being spoiled for stuff. But there was something about watching this movie. And especially because I really love the ending and the context of it. Uh-huh. Um, but I just like the sinking feeling like, man, I could not imagine what it must have been like to see this and not know what the ending is well so hunter yeah. did you because uh what happens I, is you cry tears it's a little experiment <laughs> i did uh on myself and i mean what happens I, thought, I knew tears it was coming and i also cried but yeah. did you th- what i was going to ask was a version of that question which is when you see them driving around the up to the cliff and along the cliff for a while like did you get a sense that that was about to happen well, no, not really. Good. I mean, like the tone oh, of jealous. the movie is pretty much like this is an adventure movie. And so I don't think I got, I mean, if there was um, foreshadow, it just, I completely I missed mean, it. It's so much like watching it within the context. It is like, it makes so much sense because there's no other way this movie can end. It has to end like this. It is, and and not because it has to be a tragedy. Or can anything. I no? Actually, can I push back on that a little bit? Because in the scene, like right, like one of the scenes right before that, they like they like get. There's the guy that's the the guy in the big truck that's been like shitty to them the whole time. They like yeah. They like pull him over and like blow up his truck, and it like yes. blows the fuck up. It now was when full, you, it was full of gas, so that's what yeah, happens. Full of gas blows up. And I just feel like when you got stuff like blowing up all big like that, I'm thinking this is like an action adventure movie. And then in the situation they find themselves in with all the cops and the helicopter and stuff, I didn't think it was that crazy for me to think like, well, I don't know how they're going to get out of this one. But (laughs) but I wasn't thinking like, well, they're totally fucked. Like I was like, they're they they will find some sort of this, you know this is it's well, an adventure. Also the, they, the Harvey Keitel character, way, you know. Well, that's true. Well, but yeah, the, the Harvey <laughs> Keitel true. character um, ha- seems like enough that he is like on their side and that he right. could actually make this like have an interesting, plausible, yeah. Yeah. you know, turn themselves in sort of situation. So I and I, what what I, what I was saying is that thematically and sort of the narrative movie is like these two women taking life into their own hand, taking control of their own life, right? Any other ending would be them relinquishing some sort of control. Right, so I agree with you. It could have ended with them making it to Mexico and just being like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck we want." Yeah, Yeah, for sure. If they got to Mexico, if they like, if like instead of blowing up that guy's truck, they locked him in the trunk of their 
super obvious convert blue convertible or green convertible and just took his truck full of gasoline to Mexico. I thought that's for sure I, that was going to work. That's what I thought they were going to do actually at that part. I thought they're going to steal his truck now. That's genius. Yeah, I until until they were near a cliff, I had forgotten how it ended, and I definitely cuz I want them to be alive cuz I want to keep hanging out with them cuz they're so fun. They're so rad. Like not for, I like naive criminals so much more than good yeah. criminals. <laughs> I like people who apologize when they put people in right. trunks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. also they yeah. were like, I just, I liked them. Grow- anyway, I also of all the ways for them to escape the system, um, the, uh, the throwing their car and their bodies into the grand Canyon is the worst possible way because Louise hates littering. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we knew is that she's not going to throw herself away. And then she did. That's yeah, so I, to me, I just really like it on like a, like these I, types of stories, right? Have to end, right? You have like it's a Bonnie and Clyde, Birch and Sundance kid, uh, right? Right. All these movies have this type of ending, right? That is where these types of stories naturally go, and the idea that it's not—they don't go out in a shootout, which again would be them pitting their life in somebody else's hands. The idea that they take it literally to the end of the road, yeah. taking their own life in their own hands and having complete control. I just I don't want to. I, like I totally agree with you, and I don't. I feel like we're undermining your like good point about the the um the writing of the movie with like wanting good things to happen to these people mm. and them being still alive. Like I just and also given those uh, that it feels like it's the way it has to end. Part of me wants to be like this was the '90s. Like at this point, we'd seen the ending where they di- where people die, like. They're like writing them living would actually be kind of interesting and subversive. And so I did kind I just, but mostly I just wanted them to be alive. I just yeah, rooted for them to be alive. And so I want. But my thing, I, again, is sort of like thematically is like, what is them being, them being alive implies that they're always looking over their shoulders. They're not completely free, right? And one, I think we could make the argument that it's a thunderbird. There's a good chance it sprouted wings the second the free yeah. frame ended, you know. That's probably uh, yeah, that's right. true. That's probably I mean, that's true. That's, probably can it does have bird in the name that's fair. well for me for me i don't think uh, it's not that i think the ending was bad or out of place i i just think that if you don't know the ending the movie i think was not what it was trying to land you in that moment as almost like a surprise like eureka in a sad way like a sad yeah. eureka um, yeah so you're, it, you're in the position of Louise when she understands what Thelma's suggesting. Yes, yes. That and I that's that's who I was. I was Gina Davis in that moment. I appreciate that that is more of a surprise to you than Brad Pitt stealing the money, which was the most obvious thing that's ever happened. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that wasn't Okay, that. well she told her to guard the money. <laughs> yeah, she's like, literally hey, my idiot friend left it on the bedstand. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give my money to my idiot friend, uh, and then she's going to leave it on the bedstand while she invites into her bedroom a, a professional stranger. robber. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah a complete stranger. Her tunes out to be a professional robber. Anyway, um, well, I, I mean, I, I, did you know the ending was coming for some really good um, sex yeah, and a robbery I, I lesson? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She did get her sixty five hundred dollars worth. I think. Irene, did you see it coming? Did you, did you know the ending from pop culture? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I knew the ending from pop culture, um, but I still cried. Yeah, yeah, me too, for sure. It's, I mean, even knowing that the car flies, which is the part that I had in my head, and right, now we've yeah. 
passed along to all of our viewers in case they hadn't watched it um, and had not learned that like Hunter. Um, but even knowing that the conversation leading up to it and the situation leading up to it was more, was like not exactly how I expected it to go and was kind of, uh, was still beautiful and sad. And, yeah. I, mean, oh, I just want there to be a sequel and it sucks that there isn't. Okay. Let me, for those, let's rewind for the people who have not seen the 1991 film, Thumb yeah, and Louise, let me go. give you my patented three sentence summary of this movie. This joke is somewhat slightly ruined by our previous conversation. Okay, three-sentence summary of Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise are best friends forever, even though they're very different in parentheses. One is a hardened world, uh, a hardened worldwise diner waitress, and the other is a naive housewife, in parentheses. Sentence two. They go on the road trip of a lifetime where they drink, dance, make friends, and learn valuable lessons. But all good things must come to an end, and after a week or so of driving, they decide to end the journey by flying. <laughs> anyway... That joke is better, I think, if I haven't already talked a lot about how the movie ends. Sure, but sure. You get it. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah. Anyway, um, that's all you need to know about this movie. Um, it's a it's a movie about uh, about friendship um, and about naive right. criminals. This is the type of movie you know how we talk about. Like um, we have this recurring segment of occasionally about like MVP about like certain positions on a film set that don't oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, employee of the month employee of the month yeah this is to me uh why being a uh like a location scout would be like the best Ooh. type of job yeah. just flying around in a helicopter going to great americana mountain ranges and streets and being like no nah, this view sucks let's go over to the other ridge uh, <laughs> the best job in the world it i feel like a location amazing. scout would spend a, you'd spend a lot of time like knocking on people's doors in like the suburbs of los angeles and being like hey we only have a hundred dollars can we ruin your house but <laughs> this project would be one where that would be a hella cool job because the american southwest is so beautiful yeah it's crazy yeah and you know for a non-american filmmaker to capture i mean really scott is someone who is great at capturing sort of anything, you know, sci-fi, practical reality, past stuff. But his, the way he captures America in this film is fucking breathtaking. Yeah, it's, it's really rad. Um, let, let's see. So what else do we have? So I guess, okay, let's start with Ridley Scott. So this, to me, the Ridley Scott that I have seen, I guess this is the, is this the only one that's not in space? Well, I guess Blade Runner is not technically space. And yeah, Gladiator. I did see Gladiator. Okay. Anyway, I've seen a few things, but most of his things are, are in space or are like big and ridiculous in a way that this isn't. This is like, uh, is this a huge departure? This is such an no, interesting film for me to have watched. My wife asked that same thing last night. If he was, if this is one of his only non-science fiction films. And it's actually, he has a pretty good track record of like, he's kind of he's all over the place. Like he's definitely known for, you know, Alien, Blade Runner, The Motion, uh, but his stuff as well as you know. Besides, uh, he has this Matchstick Man. He has a lot of period pieces, you mm. know, Gladiator, Legend, which is high fantasy, Kingdom of Heaven, which is you know during the Crusades in the Middle East. Uh, he's so this he's is still like pretty grounded compared to those things. Yeah. Although I, he also did Black Hawk Down and. Um uh matchstick men is another Man, also gi jane yeah i yeah. mean he's certainly someone who is can really kind of direct any kind of uh time period uh but yeah he is definitely i think his interesting he, career 
because he has such a strong visual aesthetic that I think yeah. a lot of people associate with sci-fi. But even in this movie, you can see like, you know, this is a great shot near the end of the movie when the helicopter comes from below the canyon. Oh yeah. That, that, movie, is, or that, that shot rules. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like such a, that kind of like powerful visual imagery that you get with um, Scott films. Uh, Although that, that, that part of the ending where the cops are behaving you know, badly as usual, uh, was a little bit more frustrating, uh, more frustrating than it would have been six months ago when I was not thinking about this as much. Um, what a, what a bunch of shit, huh? For <laughs> two people with two guns that have never used them except in self-defense and to poke holes in trucks. Like you, you need 57 sniper rifles. Like, well, and and if you do, if you don't do this, it's an act of aggression. This is awful. This is just really bad. Yeah, dude. Work. One time, I got a crazy story. One time, someone broke into my car, stole some stuff, and then I called the cops to tell them about it. And then the, all all the dude did was just write stuff down. He didn't, you know, they didn't like call. I didn't see any helicopters. I'm pretty no sure they just pretty no sure they were just weapons? like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were just like, "Yep, that happened." Anyways, gotta go. Like. <laughs> how they figured out it was those two girls in the beginning mm. um well harvey Keitel's very good at his job that's how <laughs> well the the problem is so that's the the t- part of my brain i have trouble toning off is like uh their main problem was they they drove out of their way too fast so that's how everyone yeah. got the the, yeah. the look and the model of the code number right yeah. So if they had not driven out so fast, and then if they had ditched the car at any point, they would have gotten away to Mexico. I don't know why they didn't just take the police car when they threw the officer in the trunk. I thought that's what they were going to do. Yeah, Yeah. that's an option. Um, Well, they also could have um, taken the the normal north-south route to Texas instead of trying to get to Texas by going west. Mm. Like, that's a slow way to get to Texas is to just go across oklahoma and new mexico and arizona and like, they, they had never to go took... to oklahoma alex they had <laughs> to go to oklahoma to get them well most. no i mean i know what's happened i know what happened in texas i understand they don't want to go to texas you know how i feel about texas is like a is such a i mean there's so much so much about the writing in this movie that i fucking love but one is like well why aren't we going south it's just like you know how i feel about texas and that is basically enough and they do add to some character stuff but even right, in that right. moment it's like no one is going to be like oh i guess we're not going to texas it's well, just so I, clear the writing in this movie just sings like so i was thinking about this like earlier today just kind of ruminating on this film and like this is a movie that is definitely like you know it's a classic sort of criminal america road trip buddy movie it's yeah. kind of a few different genres mashed together uh, but it's also one of these films that like the writing is so good and the every single actor in this movie knows exactly what movie they're in, which is really, really <laughs> hard to point. do with this type of like nebulous genre stuff. You usually get yeah. one actor playing it too seriously or playing it too straight. But you have everyone, even like, you know, stuff like you said, Shooter McGrath, Gavin, Christopher yeah. McDonald's role. Yeah, he is so pitch perfect. Yes. For this movie, I thought Michael Madsen, who is someone who I think is doesn't have the most range, but is a very charismatic actor, the way he like nails what this character needs to be, and like how yeah, the I mean his his is- one thing is being rockabilly in a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's his only skill. Turns and out he, he can does- do it in other movies too. It turns out he can do it 
in a slightly lower tone in other movies. Right. I just whispering rockability in this. I have one note about the acting, which is that if I had been on set, I would have, you know, they, they call cut. I would have called Mr. Keitel over Uh and probably would have just been like, the fuck are you doing? Like what (laughs) is, what is that voice? What do you think that, what do you think that is, man? Like what the fuck are you doing? Like, is this why you got fired off Apocalypse Now? Be honest with me. It was so weird, man. It was for it was me. I, I don't know how weird it was. I, yeah. Okay. Good. I, that 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 feels because I felt like I was being a little protective of Arkansas a little bit. Um, well, I mean, I am not upset when people do bad accents from the South generally. Um, but and I like I felt like maybe Shooter was even a tiny bit over the top with his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I but I thought. I thought Harvey was like, it did not sound like that's what he meant to be doing. Yeah. I just, he, he couldn't sustain. He was like yeah. coming in and out. I was like hearing his, you know, and his regular voice is so he just, maybe he was miscast. Honestly, we could maybe even go deeper and just be like, I just don't think you were the right, you know, cause I have all these other notions of him and other movies and it's hard to like parse that and decide yeah. that this is an Arkansas cop. Like this. He's playing too nice for someone who usually plays you know he is the original bad lieutenant you know right. what i mean like yeah. i don't expect to see harvey Keitel uh kind of laughing and being really compassionate being like the nice cop yeah yeah so one of the one thing about the writing like right away that just made me so happy is um thelma in her house she has a candy bar that she puts in she takes a bite of it puts it in the freezer and then immediately opens the freezer, takes out, takes another bite, puts it back. And then a second later opens the freezer, takes the candy bar out and just closes the freezer and leaves with the candy bar. And it's just like a little bit of business while she's doing the rest of the scene. And it's such a great action to show me about this character's personality. Mm-hmm. I It just made me so happy. It's like it's a, it's absolutely a thing I would do. And so I liked seeing other. Anyway, it was just a great little detail. And that like from the that's like the first or second scene. And I just felt like immediately like i was just beaming i was like i feel very well cared for this is gonna be a fun time yeah good great acting all around my the the harvey Keitel thing is really just like a gripe there, there was also Ooh. one weird editing goof up that i have just like a little oh, just one <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay wait, i don't know i didn't notice anything so just, well hope, so i'm open to this i i couldn't watch the anyways i so i watched it on amazon prime and they always give you the like um like the fun facts. Oh, on the fun side. facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. There were a lot of like goofs. That makes sense. Oh, interesting. T- tell me, tell me about some of them. I want to know. Do you remember any of them? I, yeah. Um, a bunch of them were like location goofs. So yeah. it'd be like, oh, they're supposed to be in Oklahoma, but then in the shot, you can see that the store says like California or something on no. it. <laughs> and then there was like another scene where I think they remember she was like at that motel in wherever city it was and it was it looked like it was some other state so a lot of just location goofs yeah right. and it's like they shot it in california and utah so. right right and then they were like oh, in the midwest it's like it doesn't make sense um and then apparently like every shot in which you can see like their sunglasses you can see the crew reflected off the sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah, uh, I, I don't. I'm not mad about those. Well, it's it's. There's one that that got kind of got on my nerves a little bit. There's this, and I don't I don't know even what the mistake is here. It's probably 
it's probably not fair to blame it on the editor, but there's this one shot. It's when they when they go to that hotel and Michael Madsen is there, like surprise there, um, and he's not supposed to be there. And and outside, it's like um, color wise, it looks very much like like sunset. Uh, it's like there's you know kind of like a bluish reddish um, uh, sky, but it's definitely still day. And mm-hmm. then she walks inside, and it cuts to close up of Michael Madsen, and you can still you can see it's pretty close, but you can still see through the window, and it is clearly nighttime. Like it mm-hmm. is clearly not the same time outside at so, all. Let me ask you a question about this, like because. That seems like this is like a good movie. That seems like a classic like movie that doesn't have a lot of budget or care kind of mistake. Like, how does that get into a movie this legitimate? Or like, how do, how should I interpret I, that mistake I, in the context of a movie? Well, think of like the last year there was that Starbucks cup on Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Like it's just continuity errors happen. It's like even the biggest most expensive movie you can find something like that it's just like they have you know big movie sets have people who that's their entire job is to be continuity supervisor that's yeah, it yeah. That's all their job is to do is to take pictures of everyone and the set and make sure everything's in the same place but like little mistakes happen and you know a lot of times when things like that it's like the they will notice in the editing bay or whatever. Right. It's just it's too just late the, or too expensive. Or, or even the director just says, fuck it. This is the take I like the best. Right. 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 So if it's like sometimes it's like, yeah, it's a continuity error, but like this is the take I really like. People are going to be looking at Mad uh, Michael Madison's crazy emotive eyebrows. <laughs> right. Right. Back. Um, they use misdirection. Yeah, I mean, so it's just like sometimes you make those choices. You just look at it and be like, this is, you know, yeah. I mean, like stuff like the Starbucks cup is obviously a huge fuck up that just somehow nobody noticed. But I kind of like that. I mean, not like the Starbucks cup is like the kind of fuck up that it it delights me for some reason. Um, Whereas the sun would just be like, wait, that's weird. Um, maybe because it's not as clear that it's a mistake or that it's like the the explanation of why is weirder. The thing that bothers me more is that I really get annoyed when I can see that they're not driving the car. <laughs> yeah. Especially in a road trip movie. The thing that drives me fucking crazy is when they turn their hands and the background doesn't move. Or in this case, the car is like on the background makes it look like they're swaying wildly from left lane to right lane while they're holding the steering wheel still. And that I can't, tur- I wish I could turn well, off so, that part of my So brain. you're saying you, you don't like movie cars basically. I, where I mean, almost to... I want you to be driving a car. I don't know. I don't. Cause it's so scary. I don't want you to get in an accident, but like, especially just rear projection is just so frustrating to me. Cause it, I can see it. Then I am annoyed by it. And it's just, and also just, I mean, I also hate when they kind of like S curve, s curve s curve with their hands like i'm just constantly driving too much but anyway yeah movie cars are very frustrating for me i i, I wish i didn't care but i like it can't stop looking at your I hands think they're the charming i i they're, it's cute I, to I, me i i like it well, it's, i wish i could me, feel that way it's a test of like the caliber of the performance right like because if it's like a really good like in this movie i think like gina davis and uh susan sarandon are so um 
electric and so magnetizing to watch that like I don't even notice what their hands are doing or what the yeah, back I didn't notice that doing. at all. Well, this uh, is, I'm telling you, this is I'm 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 presenting this as a disease that I have, not bragging. Like I wish I could stop <laughs> looking at people, but there's something about steering wheels in reprojected scene. There were several scenes where it seemed like they were driving, like we didn't notice at all. But there's just a couple where either the lighting was just distinct enough that it made it look really obviously a screen, or just the I was like, why is this? car why why are they driving so badly why are they going back and forth lanes so often i'm not to say i didn't find them electrifying I th- but i just that's a thing that i wish i could turn off the way you didn't choose to notice hunter the the night changing today which i didn't notice so i wish i could i wish i could focus on their eyes they're like my eyes are up here but no i'm watching your hands on the steering wheel the whole time i'm also yeah. really afraid of car accidents so i think that could be part of it like for real, the one thing that stresses me out more than anything else in a movie is where there's a certain like look of a car scene right before it gets in an accident. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it stresses me out so much or just like it like uh, it also stresses my wife out. So we're fun together. So we're watching a movie where anyone's driving. And if they turn and talk to the person next to oh, them. I hate that. Like, yeah. Right. Right. It's just like, fucking look at the road. Look at the road. Oh they my God. for way too long they like turn to go yes. talk yes. and look and it's like a full five seconds i know you're on, i know you're probably on a trailer being pulled you know like you don't have but but look look where you're going well i mean so you must really hate i mean i hate it just because it's so played out but ever since like adaptation had that surprise car crash that's yeah. in every movie now when like right. you just don't yeah. expect a code to get side like t-bone well, you don't uh, expect that, it. I expected every single car scene because of that shit. Every time anyone's in a car, I assume it's they're showing me a car accident, and I hate it so much. Oh my god, it's so stressful. Um, let me ask you. You mentioned so some things that bothered you guys, bothered you. Some things bothered me. Um, but let me ask you uh, whether this question was running through your head the whole time, which is, uh, would I be good at helping somebody run from a murder <laughs> forever? <laughs> um, like, would I be a good louise or thelma would i be a good thelma in this movie because i mean thelma was not great she was very shitty as a partner she caused most of the trouble um after the murder um uh she like got the money lost she robbed a store which they probably should not have done and really escalated things for them um she's the one who pulled a gun on the cop which maybe helped but maybe they would have been okay anyway she caused a lot of the trouble but would you be good at helping thelma run from the law well, I mean, even with all the mistakes she made, it was really, it was Thelma being on, uh, uh, Louise being on the phone for too long, and then not ditching the t- the Thunderbird, which were the two biggest mistakes. So, um, it's like, even if you help your, uh, the best, if she, if you're, you know, your um, conspiracy buddy is there, like, calling the cops for some reason... Yeah, uh, I sort of assumed. Let me, let me. Is, am I wrong on this? My assumption was that that was showing us that her character did kind of want to get caught, that she was looking for an an out. She did not want to take this to its logical conclusion and fly off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them wanted that, but I also think that, like, you know, like this. Okay, well, so okay, I'll give. So, I'll grant you your point. So, let's say both of them kind of suck. Um, the fact that you would not call the cops and you would not like leave the money on the dresser makes you seem like you're better at it but oh no i would we would be in mexico drinking margaritas my <laughs> I mean, yeah dude. if i was there i i am so stay focused stop yeah. with the bullshit we're not yeah, we're not I going mean, swimming fucking drive 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, one, I would have been much, you know, like the second the trigger gets pulled, you got to not panic. You got to stop and think, you know, don't take too much time. But like, I would have made a different choice almost immediately. Right. Uh, but yeah, I definitely. What's your, think- what's your first choice? Because um, mine's call the cops and tell them that we're sorry. Well, my, I mean. I'm honestly, with Gina Davis on that one. The best thing he could have done is fired another round towards you and say he reached for the gun got around we both reached for the gun for the gun we both reached for the so so make it look like more of a accidental shooting uh than just cold blood so that's one option and then two what you have to do if you're going to run is don't speed out of there that was their biggest yeah i that bothered me right in the movie she loves speeding Yes, that's yeah, true. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but that was the that was the first thing where I was like, "Whoa, come on! Why are you being so fucking conspicuous? If you're gonna run from this, drive slowly." And she never did the whole movie. Yeah, she literally got pulled over for going 110. <laughs> yeah, right? in a fucking green convertible. Um, so okay, I I actually like that original plan. The only thing I would modify instead of the second shot at you, which feels. Like a, like that feels like a lot. I would just say, just tip him over and push him towards you, so it looks like he's lunging instead of backing away. The end. Because I feel like that's. I mean, I understand that the point of the their their point was that this is actually like the way they're going to be treated by the cops is much different and much worse. But if he is leaned forward, it makes it a little easier. I just feel like uh, why not just uh, like I, I think being being so being in living in the area that this movie is set maybe made that part of it a little weird because I was just like, it don't take that long to drive to Mexico. You know what I mean? Like if you just <laughs> drove it in one, like it's not, <laughs> it's not the craziest to, but, amount of time. No, you no, but, just, you, but, but if because of the rules, you can't go to Texas. That yeah, doesn't and, even add that much to it. You know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> if you're willing to just do it, put up with it, what here, I could do it right now. Let's I'm, see. I was going to Google it, but I was like, can you in Google maps say, cause you can avoid tolls and avoid freeways. Can you also say avoid Texas? Let's say I'm gonna make it easy and say that we're gonna we're gonna dip into Texas to go to El Paso, but I, yeah. I'm sure you can take some other road. Oh, I did so watch a food is- show about El Paso, and now I really want to go. Well, um, can I also say another big thing? And I get that why they didn't do this because the gun does come in handy. But rule number one of getting away with motor. Um, don't hold on to the motor weapon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of country between you and the Grand Canyon that you could have ditched that gun and never been found. For sure. Uh, uh, honestly, that's rule number one of getting... if Because the two bad things, if you're going to get accused of motor, there's two things you don't want them to be able to find. A body and a weapon. And if mm-hmm. you can limit one of those, you're yeah. much better off. Because even if it was your husband's third... They didn't find the gun... They like found her prints on the car, and obviously the body was just there. Right. Yes. So she could. So and she couldn't take the body. There was no way she was going to get rid of that body no. in that case. Yeah. And but still, having it would have like so. Had they gotten caught, there yeah, would have been a trial, and having the gun not be found would have been useful. I mean, they could have tossed the gun at any point. Exactly. Later. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Then bought another should've... gun. It's not super hard in Oklahoma. You can just buy a gun. <laughs> Like, yeah, what, what do you know about it, Alex? Huh? I assume you know, that's totally me just assuming and being um, being elitist. But I assume in Oklahoma there are no being rules. Elitist, and they're the ones with the guns, Alex. You, you, you don't have any guns. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, they're the elitists. Irene, would you be good at like running from the law? 
Um, I actually think I would be pretty good at it. Just I kind of feel like you would too. I... Movies and stuff, and like I have a little bit of OCD. Not yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. Is you have just you have. It seems like you have enough intensity that if if you just decided this is what we are doing now, we're moving to Mexico and this is our lives now, that you would commit to that decision. Oh yeah, I'm Louise in this movie for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially in the 90s. It's one thing to say it in like 2020, but sure. in the 90s, it was so easy to get rid of, like, to do any crime and get away with it, essentially. <laughs> you could like... Okay, you hear that? Criminals in jail from the 90s? Anthony's yeah. calling you out. How did you yeah. blow that? I, I well, I at first when she was like, "We're going to Mexico," I was like, "Oh, that you know, that's probably really hard to get across the border." And then I remembered it was ninety one. I was like, "Probably not, actually." No, I don't think they checked at all. Yeah, yeah, you uh, can just walk in. Yeah, yeah. This is you didn't even need a passport. You could just go. They also could have flown. <laughs> that's true, right? Oh wow! This is, there was not yet a, a, a an a alert on their names. That's if they'd just saying. flown that next yeah. day, they would have been fine. Pre nine eleven, so they don't check oh, anything. Right, right. You just walk in and smoke on the plane and shit. It's like madman. <laughs> there. Run with them to Mexico. <laughs> they could have their friends at the gate waiting for them, and no one would have a problem with it. It was a yeah, crazy they, time. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like you yeah, just, they could just like the next day they could already be right? in Cabo. Yeah. Just Seriously, if she had sixty five hundred dollars, you could buy a plane ticket, buy a house in Cabo. Dude, okay, but like, yeah, planes are one thing. But one time, me and my friends drove 30 hours across this great nation uh, in one go without stopping because we just felt like getting home faster. Okay, you better believe if I got to go to Mexico... I can we I could do seventeen hours. That's not well, a okay. big, big. The only deal. thing I will the only thing I will say is they did have a lot of shots right before this, and well, they had they had a lot of shots during this. They oh, yeah. because, because they were driving, drinking, and driving. Oh, yeah. I hate it. Oh, it's so scary. But yeah, imagine Hunter, you were like like nine whiskeys into the night or nine margaritas in the night that you might be a little sleepy. That's all. Okay, yeah, fine. So we wake up. I got to eat a bunch of pickles and then yeah. bam, on the road. Okay. And we're not a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have never done 30. That's a lot, but I do feel like I could do, uh, through, if you go through Texas, at least you could, I could, what was that from, from where you are? How long would it take to get to Mexico? Oh dude, if, Eight, if we 10? can go through Texas, yeah, we're, we're talking, well, we're talking more like 12 12, I that, could do 12, I could do 12 today. I could, yeah. starting at four o'clock, I could just go do 12 hours yeah, and be okay. I, could be in I wouldn't Mexico love it, later. Yeah, but I could yeah. be in Mexico today. But yeah, that, I, so that is helpful. I can't, I'm a pretty, this is, here's the thing. I feel like I'd be terrible at running from crimes. I'm very, I have a very guilty conscience already for stuff I haven't done wrong. Um, I, I fixate and don't necessarily make productive conversation. I don't do great on a little sleep, but I am a pretty good road trip buddy. I feel like yeah. I'm pretty dedicated. If I'm in the passenger seat, I'm there to help you, you know, get you snacks, open your bottles of anything but liquor and like, just make it, make your road trip easy for you. I'm chill about the music selection. I'm a, I feel like that part would be helpful and I can do a long drive without, without dying. I do get a little grumpy if I haven't slept well, but. So you make I, a I, good Thelma. I would make an oak. I would be better at Thelma than Thelma was for sure. I mean, but I would not be, would be. <laughs> well, I mean, you could, you could get, you could hide a car under Brad Pitt's butt. I mean, it's like, I understand that part. <laughs> but, yeah, I was about to say, come on, it's Brad Pitt. 
It's like a little, it's little baby Brad Pitt, and he's got a cowboy hat and is very polite. I get her fucking Brad Pitt. I have no trouble with that Dude, decision Brad at all. Pitt could walk into him? my house right now and take whatever he wanted from me. <laughs> okay, but she left him alone in the room. That was dumb. And the money leaving him alone in the, the room table. would be tough. But but yeah, if you give me all of our life savings to take care of, I could be better trusted than Thelma with that money for sure. Although that's really again on Louise. I have no idea why she, she gave, gave the money. Yeah, that was the crazy decision. I assume she thought, like, the writer thought something like, oh, Jimmy might try to take it back or whatever. But, like, there's no reason for Louise to have, or Thelma to have this money. That is so upsetting. And she has proven over and over that she's a little bit reckless. Right. So, but but re- remember, there's some sort of, I would love to, re- I honestly would like to rewatch this movie because there is some sort of through line of Louise maybe having, like, some sort of death wish or something. Like, there's some sort of element to that because of, like she's always calling, uh, she's always wanting to talk to the police. Well, yeah, and like, that's what I said about like about her kind of wanting to get caught. You, you're taking it a little further with well, your psychoanalysis. I, that, and I'm not necessarily wish. saying that I know for sure it's a, it's as extreme as a death wish. Although, I mean, certainly that's where it ends up going. But I just wonder if that's like kind of part of her character. That yeah, she's going to let Thelma watch the money because maybe there's I don't know. I it's it's weird. I wonder how much how much more uh, of of that is in the movie if you're watching it from the beginning, just kind of looking out for what Louise is well, doing. I mean, there's also this notion that, like, Thelma is very childlike and very safe. She's not the person to do anything crazy and has probably been the responsible one the entire friendship. Like, normally, in her sort of domestic only ever being with one man, married super young. If you asked her to hold on to money, she'd probably be really good at that, right? Yeah, but so you're it's... you're you're in her post uh, breaking out right. life, right? Yeah, exactly. So when that's she's fair. and she didn't think this... Brad Pitt was going to be there, and she didn't know even if Brad Brad Pitt did show up that he was a professional stealer of things. Yeah, so, I mean the second he starts going on the thieving monologue, I my first thought was you should probably hide that envelope of money. Oh, the second the envelope was handed to her, I was like, well, there goes that sixty five hundred dollars. Right. There's yeah. no doubt. But yeah, when he starts doing his monologue, although watching her do the monologue, fucking ruled. That yeah. was so funny. I yeah, like I was so stuck. I gotta say, I just want to, we're going to wrap on this and I have a couple of segments we got to do that are unrelated to this movie before we go. But um, I just wanted to say thank you for picking this movie, Irene, because this fucking ruled. I had so much fun watching this movie. The, 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 when they're surrounded by the cops at the end and uh, Louise goes, I got a feeling everything from here on out is going to be shitty. It just (laughs) killed me. It's so funny. Like goddamn unbearable. I'd imagine like the, the writing is so good. This movie is so funny and I just, I fucking loved it. So thank you. Mm. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm glad we all got to experience it for the first time together. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed uh, everything with Brad Pitt's very short interaction with Christopher McDonald in the police station. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a good, not how was, I thought that interrogation would go. Yeah, I mean, scene. but then, yeah, like, I enjoyed your wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, that I like your so wife. Funny. Oh, my God. That was funny. Yeah. And okay, it's like, also, I have to say before you continue, I'm gay, but Brad Pitt was very hot in this movie. Yeah. He's a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude. Let's Even be real. You, know, you just gotta be honest sometimes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 I mean I'm straight, but I thought Brad Pitt was a very good looking guy in this movie. I, I would mean, it's so funny because I was 
I'm gay when I'm watching Brad Pitt. Okay. <laughs> That's how it works for me. I'm just going to, I'm going to go all the way and be real with y'all. It's so funny because he like comes up every once in a while. I'll see like a thing in a book where it's like, you know, uh, if you're an extra, you'll never get noticed. But Brad Pitt did. So maybe like if you look like Brad Pitt, like anything is going to get you noticed. You can't just go around being Brad Pitt and not be noticed for movies. Right. Like he's the example of someone who made it after being an extra. And 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 the other one that I can think of is Danny Trejo. And it's like, look, if you look like either of these extremes, someone's <laughs> going to see your face and put you in a movie. You just yeah, can't hide. Exactly in the middle is Stephen Tobolowski. He's the other guy. <laughs> If you if you look like that, you're also gonna end up in movies, you know. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna leave this movie there, and we have there's a couple more quick thing, real quick things to do before we get out of here. All right, before we go, uh, we're gonna take a second and thank a new meat buddy. Um, so when people donate to the show, we do little thank you segments. They are sometimes weird, sometimes helpful. Um, no. They are never helpful. They are sometimes fun. Um, so uh, we have a new meet buddy. Sarah from Sycamore uh, ju- became a subscriber to our Patreon campaign at Metreon.com. Uh, Sarah was actually, you guys may remember from way back, that Sarah was a was the person who like accidentally guilted me into creating the Patreon because they had tried to donate a couple oh, times yeah. on our two different systems and neither of them worked. And I was like, well, look, if you want that badly to give me money, I should try harder to receive it and so i took the time to create a patreon because of that um and uh so uh just a reminder from that time uh from that email that i read at the time but uh sarah had been waiting for the thank you segment until they figured out what segment they wanted to do but just a reminder from that email in this surreal time i am glad that read and weep has been part of my life it's funny because meet buddies was the original patreon and so i'm glad to be part of the first patreon meet buddies your podcast was one of the first that i remember talking about paying guests and i found so many cool people because of it that were guests on the show and so i appreciate that you do that um there's been a lot of podcasts that i've dropped for my teen days because honestly my taste was evolving quicker than the hosts were um but this is one of the few shows that has stuck around um yeah um and uh i do enjoy the the new hosts and i do find film history film history stuff super interesting i think it's been really interesting to find different things about the show to love in each of the different eras Irene, this show's been going on for 10 years and has had a lot of different themes. Wait, are you serious? Uh, yeah, for real. Um, before, longer than I've been, it was a stand-up. I started doing this podcast. It used to be about um, teenage romance books, um, which is why it was called Read and Weep. It's been a long history. Um, anyway, so uh, Sarah, for their thank you segment, uh, asked us to play Two Truths and a Lie. So I'm going to have you uh, play Two Truths and a Lie with a person you've never met based only on things that uh, were from Sarah's uh, youth. So these are three three statements from Sarah's youth, and you're going to figure out which one seems like the lie. Uh, number one, are you guys ready? Can you handle it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, yeah. Number one, uh, Big Time Rush did a concert at my middle school, but I decided not to request a free ticket because I didn't have cable and I had no interest in them. Number two, a Zac Efron movie filmed at, my, at the Speedway in my town, and a friend of mine was an extra in the film. Or number three, the county courthouse in my hometown was used for filming for the pilot of a CBS show that never aired. So um, three show business related, hometown related things mm-hmm. from Sarah's youth. Which of these has the air of a lie to you? Okay, first of all, this just sounds like a brag. Yeah. <laughs> if two of two, these are Two true. brags and a lie? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, such a funny version of that game. <laughs> I am a little... Okay, the first one, who came and performed? 
Big Time Rush. Uh, Who is Big Time not, Rush? I mean, she's, she's not calling. She's okay. not calling Rush Big Time. <laughs> okay, so apparently you did not have cable either, but this is a, a Nickelodeon band. This is like a yeah, boy I band. I also don't know what this is, so... I had to look it up, so I didn't actually know either. But this is a boy band from the late 2000s uh, that was um, from, yeah, it was from Nickelodeon. Because um, if it was Rush that came to your high school, that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> that would be a brag. <laughs> Canadian problem. It would be a weird middle school to have yeah, Rush come yeah. and play. Yeah. Um, so it's, oh, wait, oh, okay, wait. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, we, we got to agree that the big time rush one is true because why would you like invoke big time rush on your lie, right? Yeah, like, that's, that's a very specific nuts. reference. I do sort if, of if feel big like time rush is a lie. I'm freaked. Okay, I'm freaked. <laughs> Um, so let me just give you the description. So this is a Nickelodeon show. Um, it's the Hollywood misadventures of four hockey players from Duluth, Minnesota, after they are selected to form a boy band for fictional mega producer Gustavo Roque. So uh, they are hockey players turned boy band, which is such a Nickelodeon thing yeah. um, that ran for four seasons from 2009 to 2013. Um, so yeah, I guess I would not have requested tickets either since I've never heard of them. So you got, we all have that in common if that is a truth. That one's um, gotta be true. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be. Um, it's gotta be true, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we 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 we're leaning towards big time rush being true. So between Zach Efron well, or a CBS here, pilot. Here's the what I would say about the CBS pilot. Uh CBS filming a pilot in a courtroom, very likely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is plausible. So I'm gonna and there can't be the, there can't be two movies about women criminals, but there can be two thousand CBS shows that take place in courtrooms. Yeah, um, <laughs> there is also the the thing about the second one, the Zac Efron one, is the fact that it's a friend of hers was an extra is so uh-huh. specific that if you were lying about it, you make uh, it you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, it would be. It's weird uh, to make I a lie know. that is like my friend did it. I, I mean, it I could be know. a lie like she just swapped out actors. Yeah, so that's, that's when you when you do play two truths and a lie, and I've played this game a lot. Um, when you do, pl- which sounds weird, I don't know why I said it that way. It does um, sound weird. I love this game, and so I play it with all when I when I teach uh, stand up classes. So I've like with like two hundred stand up classes, I've made everyone in the in the the class play two truths and a lie with me because um, it's a good writing exercise that to, and also helps you talk about yourself. Um, it's really fun, but uh, almost nobody makes up a story about their friend. You make up stories about yourself or your uncle. And then the other thing is that um, I do feel like uh, one a common way to make a lie is you take a truth and then just swap the celebrity. Right. So that would be a plausible way that this would become a lie. But I disagree with like a friend being an extra is just not that impressive. Right. Like an, an extra is like probably yeah, like but, but 500 but people it, in your town signed up to be extra. So it could have like, been you. I mean, I, I, I think she's playing to win. OK, so like what sure. I think okay. the move is is that the first thought, the rough draft of the lie, I'm sure it went through a lot of variations, but <laughs> it I mean, was... Remember, this was like six months ago that they donated before that this actually came. Right. It's We've six said all months segments, of prep but... work to, to yeah. fool us, and I will not be fooled. Uh, <laughs> she's been running focus groups on these two truths <laughs> in a lie for yeah. six months, yeah. really perfecting the wording. 
Oh my god! I, One yeah. other quick two truths and a lie thing is that my uh, nephew had to play in his first day of di- online school this year. He's in second grade, and my sister texted me to say that second graders are terrible at two truths and a lie because whatever the first person says is a lie, everyone else uses as the lie. So the first person was like, "I have seven dogs," and then everyone was like, "I have four dogs. I have nine dogs." <laughs> <laughs> this is so cute. <laughs> anyway, all right, sorry. Back to you, Hunter. So. I would hear someone like 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 point blank was just like I have five hundred and twenty eight. Like just, I think that's the lie, you guys. Um, yeah. So you think playing to win? She's focus group all the stuff, and you think yeah. the Zac Efron movie was tested I, I and perfected think, to be believable. I think the Zac Efron thing seems a little too. It's just a little too like you start with Zac Efron and then you just kind of add that yeah, was my friend. Um, because uh, I don't know, way. I just believe the other two. You know, yeah, I, can you guys offhand think of a um, a Zac Efron Speedway movie? Zac no, Efron Speedway movie. No it's googling. Not, Do you off I, the top of your head? No googling. That's not one of the rules. I I can. <laughs> okay, I, well, I, for what, googling, what, I can tell what, you the answer, which is that Zac Efron and Dennis Quaid played a movie at the at an Iowa Speedway. Huh. So that part is true. Uh oh. Um. Uh-oh. In 2011, I'm, I'm getting lost now. I'm getting lost. But I don't think I think Googling is cheating, so I don't think you can know that. I think you had to think without knowing that. We have to pretend we don't know that now. Yeah, now you I have to not know exactly. Uh, yeah, so I think it's the Zac Efron. <laughs> you know Wait, what? All right. What was the third one again? The third one was the county courthouse in my hometown was used for filming a pilot a, a pilot for CBS that show that did not go through. Uh, okay, I see the play. So the third one is the lie because it's the most boring one. Oh, that's okay, that's also a confirmed strategy. I can that's say that's a very yeah. good strategy of actually having the lie being because that that one, the other two are, uh, you know, I got to learn something on that first one, and the second one as Zach Efron, you know, and he Wait, gets so the, excited. Yeah, so there's also there's no name of a thing in the CBS pilot, pilot whereas Zach Efron and Big Time Rush are both real, uh, and then also um, Big Time Rush was I didn't go, and Zach Efron was my friend, and the third one doesn't involve. Sarah at all. So, but that could also be like if, if, you know, if one of them was a lie and they were trying to come up with, or if one, yeah, if this was the lie and they were like, I got to make up a thing, then they didn't make up an actor. That's also possible. This is so much pressure. It's just, I'm like, well, and the pressure has come to a head. It's time to vote. Anthony, pick your things one through three. I'm going to go with the wild code. I'm going to say big time rush. She did go. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's a good move too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. I I will say for my money, if you're gonna get me with a lie, I would prefer it to be all a lie and not a little lie. Like, because what's the fun in making me believe ninety nine percent of a truth? Well, so fine. you want to get me to believe up. something Back stupid? It it's an entire lie. They were too big to perform at a school. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It is a Nickelodeon show that's performing in middle school, which is kind of interesting. But, um. I definitely there were a couple of big time bands that played at my college and I didn't go because I could get twenty dollars selling the ticket to a local person and I liked that. Um, so I kind of buy that. But okay, Anthony's voting for number one, Hunter. I'm gonna have to follow my nose on this one and stick to my guns and say number three. Um, oh, I thought your guns were Zach Efron. You had convinced me of Zach Efron. I was gonna no, say I got three new originally. Guns. I got new guns and those are my my guns now. I was gonna say three. And then, uh, Anthony, you convinced me that there are a lot of CBS pilots in courthouses. And, Hunter, you convinced me about the Zac Efron thing being like a find and replace. So I'm going with two. Well, Irene, this is the lovely. 
Well, I was oh. the one who said the find and replace thing. Oh, okay. Originally. Well, then I was but convinced I, by you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So my original gut reaction was three, but then, then I was thinking maybe two. So I'm still waffling between the two of them. But since somebody voted for one, somebody voted for three, I'm going to vote for two. Well, I voted for two. So you're the deciding vote. Okay. Well, so if I'm you so say sorry. two, we are over. We are the overwhelming uh, oh, this is solution. Like a, oh, is it electoral college rules? I didn't know. Oh, I, I thought <laughs> we were all just voting ourselves, and then we just saw what which one of us was the smartest. That is true. We'll see. See who is the smartest. All right. So no, the way I do this, uh, um, whatever gets the most vote reshapes reality into being <laughs> right. a lie. That's the new new that, that's feature. That's a tipping, tipping point vote. Um, um, so the uh, the way I do this is I have people so that I can play send me two separate emails. The one with the the thing, and then the one with like a bunch of hard returns and then the answer at the bottom so i'm now going to open from sarah the answer this is crazy uh, conversation the long-awaited answer to two truths and a lie instead of just space attached to the picture is a, a picture of my two darling shih tzus all right that is rad um so i said just like press return a bunch of times and instead they just sent me a picture of their dog so <laughs> fuck yeah that's rad okay and then at the bottom my answer is number three is the lie yes yeah. Should have went with my gut, but you were Same. actually close. Okay, so the the TV show, there was a TV show that filmed there, but it was actually an NBC show called The Playboy Club. Okay, so she did swap something. She did find and replace. You were yeah, right yeah. about that for sure. I just picked the wrong one. Um, the pilot wasn't picked up, but the buzz during my freshman year of high school was fun. The town isn't mentioned in the Wikipedia page, but our local paper covered it. <laughs> the Playboy Club was you okay? So the exterior shots uh, of the courthouse were used in a thing called the Playboy Club. That's fun. It must be a sexy courthouse. Um, yeah, weird. Right. Yeah, um, I'm like bummed that um, the replacement was so boring, though. That um, it was just NBC to CBS. Yeah, like come on, if you're gonna lie, at least make it <laughs> crazy. Look, we didn't specify whether your goal is to make it crazy or to just fool people. Um, and so, like like Hunter said, Sarah played to win. And Sarah did almost entirely win, except for Hunter. Yeah. Uh, You're our I, big victor today. You're the smartest among us. Yeah. I, I, I can smell a lie, you know, through um, my headphones. Also, the Zac Efron movie caused more buzz, I think, uh, because they were there longer and also because Zac Efron and my peers knew who he was um, and all the classmates were getting cast as extras. I've never actually I've never seen the film at any price. I don't really want to, but because the plot seems boring as dirt. Well, that's fair. Um, thanks for making a f fun podcast and engaging with fans. You are so welcome, Sarah. Thanks for supporting the show. Heck thanks yeah. for becoming a meet buddy. You guys can also support the show and have us waste uh, our lives thinking about whether Zac Efron was at your movie theater. Uh, or at your racetrack uh, by going to metreon.com and we appreciate it. And that money most almost entirely goes to our guests. So thank you so much for supporting our great guests. Do you guys have time? I know we're running kind of long. Do you guys have time for a couple of quick emails? Oh yeah. Um, uh, I'm good. Can I say one more? Speaking of just, you mentioned sexiness talking yes. about the Playboy Club. And I just wanted to say real fast. Is that not what no, uh, this is something completely different. I was thanking Irene again for picking this movie. Uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I was talking about how there's not enough sex in movies, and I don't mean that in like a graphic or like I'm trying to be a perverse way, but just like I haven't seen a good movie for adults in a long time. They don't really make them, it feels like, anymore. Uh, and oh. this this movie, Thelma and Louise, is a movie 
for fucking adults. It's sexy, it's thrilling, it's fun, <laughs> and it was so refreshing to see a movie that was like made for grown-ups, and it made me very happy. Uh, oh, interesting. So you I do just... sound like a pervert, I gotta say. Even though you prefer to if I'm not in a pervert? Sounds pretty pervy. Yeah. It's a little pervy to me. Uh, I just want to thank Gina Davis for giving me an adult movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a couple quick, uh, we've we got a bunch of um, really interesting recommendations, so I want to run through them really fast. So, uh, first of all, Katie uh, sent us this on Twitter a few weeks ago. We were talking about The Thing, and Katie recommends Thingu. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the 90s children's television show Pingu, but Pingu. if you are, it helps, but it's not required. So basically, this is like a minute long version of The Thing, but done with its stop motion horror movie with adorable penguins instead of people. And it is cute and terrifying and crazy, and I love it. And so I will attach the Thingu link to our show notes today. Yeah, I'll check uh, that out. It's so weird and gross. And I really like. I've told you about we I, we talked about it on our live stream one time. I don't think I actually mentioned it on the podcast, but like when I was back when I was a uh, ma- working in the video games, the last project I worked on was a game called Penguin Fights, where oh, it was going to yeah. be a really gory fight game for adorable penguins. And so this thingu was right up my alley. Um, I don't get it because I've never seen the thing or pingu, but man, it's great. Um, so I'll put that in the show notes. Um, oh wait, where did that go? I didn't know what any of the words you just said were. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you don't have to, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's for people who uh, who have been uh, following along and care about one or more of those things. Also mentioned, I mentioned a few weeks ago um, that I had this idea about doing a, a show about the Flintstones dinosaurs and having them rise up against their oppressors. And uh, Brian wrote in to say uh, that this reminded him of the DC Comics version of the show. Have you guys seen this? No. So... The, there's a a twelve ser a twelve issue limited series from 2016 that they did where because Hanna Barbera is desperate to monetize their IP and so they did a, a but a twelve issue Flintstones comic that's like I mean it's not modernized because it's still the Flintstones but um it's just it's a like Whoa. an interesting sort of adult version of it so there's like the 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 bowling balls vacuum cleaners etc get a really sympathetic portrayal apparently in that series. And actually, well, everything owned about owned by Warner Brothers, so it's, yes. it's not even like Hannibal Vera licensing now. It's just oh, okay. they're all the same company now. Um, well, uh, and Brian also says like actually everything about these comics, the characters, the themes, the stories, the backstories, and everything else are far superior to the original show. So, which it doesn't take a ton to do since the show is boomer comedy, so it's just people who hate. It's just men hating their wives. That's the whole show. Well, how do, how do the comics compare to Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas? <laughs> cinematic masterpiece <laughs> i did not get brian's take but and i have seen that movie but it's been a long time um do, do you remember it being good was it still boomery i'm sure it's boomery oh yeah i i've never actually seen it i have seen the first one with john goodman and rick moranis uh, oh okay so I that's the one saw. i've seen i didn't see the follow-up okay uh, man, uh, I, I mean, I like both of those guys, but I'm assuming that movie does not hold up. Um, David uh, wrote in another recommendation from a thing we talked about a little while ago. I asked if there were any good crowdfunded movies, and David just wanted us to know Blue Ruin is phenomenal. Oh, Are yeah. Blue, yeah, Blue Ruin fucking rules. So it's the Jeremy was- Solinger film the guy he made uh, Green Room. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw Blue Green Room because that was in oh, Portland. Yeah, yeah. He fucking rules. But yeah, his I, I auditioned really for Green Room and didn't look Nazi enough. So take that, Anthony. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, just take that, Anthony. Yeah. Anthony likes yeah. to make unsubstantiated rumors about me, and I just want to point out that a casting director said I didn't look nearly enough like a Nazi. So there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they didn't let you open your mouth. That was the problem, you know. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they, they just. I really like Green shots. Room, though. That movie was kind of neat. Uh, yeah, that, that movie's fucking. All of his movies rule. Blue Ruin is phenomenal. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, uh, so this, and this is a much, and lastly, a much weirder recommendation um, from a different David, I believe that the other one was on Facebook, one was my email, but um, this is from sponsor David who uh, had us read um, the Wizard of Earthsea a little while ago, but um, uh, uh, David sent a lot. Well, first he was just uh, commenting on some of the episodes, really enjoyed uh, us talking about John Carpenter and he really likes John Carpenter, especially, and David is a musician, if you may recall. Um, and he really likes the odd time signature music that John Carpenter did to his own movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then David also sent along a core workout that he made specifically as a core workout for guitarists. That's too intense, but leaves your hands free so you can play guitar, including standing on his head in a stairwell. And it's terrifying. And I was so worried about him falling the whole time. But I will also put a link to that. So if you're a guitarist who wants a really impossible core workout from David, I will put that in the show notes as well. Um, it was very funny. So thank you, everybody who writes in. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an uh, email, po- podcast at read-weep.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And that is it for our show. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate it. We're going to be back again uh, in just a week. Next week, we are going to be talking. Yeah, because you guys don't know yet. Next week, we're going to be talking about the 1975 film Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, (laughs) fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah? Fuck yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, I I have not seen it. I know nothing about it. (laughs) I have no idea what you just said. It's a line from Dog Day Afternoon. We get to talk about... uh... What's his face? Little Penny Al Pacino. No, the uh, Henry the co- No, the Kent, the co-lead in Dog Day Afternoon. Um, I haven't not seen it, so I don't know anything about it. He, he's he was only oh, in sorry. Three. I, I called him Henry, but his name is yeah. John John Kazale. What? A, yeah, what John Kazale. Like, what the fuck did I say? Henry. I thought you said Caviezel? I thought you said Caviezel, the Jesus guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, that's how but, I meant. No. He is only in like four movies, but every single one of them was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, uh, and then he died really young. But he's yeah, Fredo. he's Fredo. Yeah, he's Fredo. He's in both the Godfather movies, Dog Day Afternoon, oh, uh, okay. Deer Hunter. Then died tragically young, but just really fascinating actor. Well, I know very little about this movie except that it is except the cast uh, and it's a Baby Al Pacino and that it's a uh, neo noir, which I definitely am interested yeah. in and. Um, it's it's surprising. You are gonna be surprised by this. I movie. can't wait. It's yeah, a yeah. Weird one. Uh, I'm 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 excited. I'm I mean, you guys for for real. I'm like the first half of this year. I know it's been weird on the show, and I'm so bad at talking about stuff. But like when I think back to like the media I've watched this year, I have so many fascinating movie memories that I have not had from previous years. Like even stuff that I didn't love has everything we've done has been fucking interesting. Um. I, I think I said this to you guys by text, but like uh, I was watching a baseball game where they made a, a reference to the Warriors and like the guy announcing it like sang the Warriors song and I never would have gotten that before. And then the Warriors has been mentioned on two other things I've seen since then. And I just saw something the other day that mentioned, like, oh, I was watching the Tour de France and the guy t- started talking about Repo Man. Like there's so much that I like. I didn't love Brazil when it was happening, but I have not stopped thinking about Brazil since we watched it. Oh, hey. um, yeah. 
like there's what a crazy year anyway so i'm this project has been so fun and, and rewarding and i fucking love Thumb and louise so what a good time um more of that to come more of this fun interesting time i hope you're enjoying it as much as i am uh and we'll be back to next week thank you for being here anthony lopez oh god and thanks for being here hunter donaldson and thanks for being the less well i was gonna say less gross never mind um and irene at irene underscore two on twitter and instagram and i will say uh if you are if you're like just an instagram person if you're not sometimes her best tweets show up on her instagram too so you get all you you get the best of the content (laughs) i really appreciate you coming on the show thank you and picking this movie yeah i'm so glad i got to watch it finally and if, if um, ever there is a time where real live stand-up exists ever again, you definitely have to catch Irene's stand-up because I like it so much. Please, call. But it'll never happen. We're done. It's I over know. forever. Um, also a thing I miss. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.